Hey everybody, it's Marcia O'Connor here, CEO and founder of the O'Connor Group, and welcome back to Top 3, where entrepreneurs share their secrets and mistakes. Now, we talk a lot about entrepreneurs on the show, but we don't talk a lot about family-owned entrepreneurs, and today's special guest, Mike Longo Jr. from Seven Oil, is going to talk a little bit about that today with us. So sit back, enjoy, get that coffee in your hand, but be careful if you're driving out there, and enjoy today's version of Top 3. Mike Longo Jr. How you doing? Good. Appreciate you having me. My pleasure. This is a this is your first podcast? Yeah. So I during COVID, mm-hmm. I decided I was gonna have my own podcast. More around so I've I'm interested in health and wellness. Um and so I just had a little bit more time because yep. we were stuck in the house and yep. I started doing some of that and it was I really enjoyed it. Um, but I, I haven't been on this side of it. And then we got really busy at work and back to the, the grind, you know? Yeah. It's not, it's not something that you just show up tomorrow and do. You have to have some thinking behind it. And sure. I had a dear friend of mine who had said for a year, Hey, when are you going to get your podcast off the ground? And I said, yeah, I'm working on it. And then one day he just kept asking, he's like, when are you doing this? And I said, Okay. So I literally met with my team. I said, we're going to have a plan of action. This is going off beginning of the year. No questions asked. If it's not perfect, oh, well, we'll figure it out. And now we've been doing this for three years. So it's crazy, but top three has really have gained some traction out there. It's really a podcast for entrepreneurs and and talking about the secrets and um, probably mistakes as well, because Lord knows I've had more mistakes than secrets. And, and we're here and obviously you and I know each other because we do business together. And, you know, the good thing about us is that, you know, we have a friendship as well and we talk a lot and just talk about life and, you know, handling people and things like that. But, you know, how do, I mean, obviously you're a family business, but, you know, how do you, how do you think things are going today in this world? Because I think um, having a business is one thing, having a family business is another thing, but you know, the economy and all is a little crazy right now. So what's going on? Yeah. Well, you know, knowing that you've been doing this so long and it's been so successful, I appreciate it. I'm honored to to be here and get to talk a little bit of course. About, about what we do. My pleasure. And my experience. And um yeah, it's it's tough. Uh family business is unique. You know, mm-hmm. I, I always say like being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. well, so my dad used to say this. Um, being an entrepreneur is, is, is being a man on an island, right? Or a man <laughs> or a woman, or, yeah. you know, and I've heard other people say, you know, you, you turn around and it's just the wall. There's yeah. nobody that there's nobody to help or ask questions to. Yep. And so, um, second generation or third generation or family business is, it's like the island off the coast of that island. Yep. Uh, there's, there seems to be even less people to talk to about it because yeah. it's so unique mm-hmm. and the chances of the business surviving through the generations just get smaller and smaller, right? Yeah. So um, it's exciting, though. Like, I don't think if I was doing the family business thing, mm-hmm. I'd probably be doing my own business thing. Yeah. You know, and I'd probably be asking my pop all the same questions that I ask him now. Sure. Um, it would just be a little bit different. The stakes are a little higher. Yeah. I, you know, I definitely feel a lot of pressure to – Do a good job for him, for my family. Yeah, you know, um, and 
so there's that, right? And then there's just a normal landscape of business mm -hmm. and what you have to deal with and trying to hire people and scale and sales and ops and finance and Oh yeah, that learning. too. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, but it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the the you know, I think entrepreneurs are a little naive and that's what makes them keep going or at yeah. least for me yeah you know it was me just being naive about things like oh you're telling me i can't do that but i don't believe you so right. try it yeah and yeah. you know like you said failing is huge it, it is i think it's also you know you work for um you know in the business and and with your dad and you know what kind of pressure is that? That's not easy. You know, I don't have another person on my team in my family. Like I have, sometimes my son does work for me, but I already asked him, you want to be part of the business? And he said, I want to do my own business. And I said, well, that's awesome. I think it's great, you know, but. Smart guy. But yeah, but it's still, <laughs> you know, it's good and bad, you know, because all that stuff you, you've grown, you want to sure. give it off to somebody else. And at least you're, you're ready to do that. It's you a know? double edged sword. Be right. careful with that. Yeah, right. Be careful what you wish for, right? So like. I feel like uh, my journey beyond this is probably going to be in some kind of consultative fashion mm -hmm. to first and second generations uh, businesses to try to help. There's a lot of psychology that goes into it, and I, I've had to learn that and understand it because it's it's like a marriage. It's, it's a lot of compromising going on, yeah. and I think the second generation has to in a lot of scenarios, when the first generation is is the serial entrepreneur, they almost have to lead mm -hmm. um, in the sense that, like, in our in our scenario, you know, my dad, he's just a go-getter, mm -hmm. right? But he, he didn't get the opportunity to be equipped with some of the knowledge that I was mm -hmm. because he worked hard to give me the opportunity to go to school and learn, plus technology changed. Sure. And so... I used to get frustrated and feel the pressure like it's not fair, right. right? you know, and I would, I acted like a child, right? But you start to learn and grow up and, and realize like, well, he should know and he should, and he should lead me, right? Mm -hmm. He's the leader. I, I, I should have somebody who has all the answers and can help me. Mm -hmm. You know, even saying that out loud seems silly, but I started to learn like, I have to be confident enough to put myself out there and try to lead by example in areas where maybe he just wasn't equipped and didn't have the opportunity to Yeah, as the business was growing and I was sort of trying to challenge him on things. Mm -hmm. It's a scary thing to challenge your parent in general, but then also feel like well, I'm not sure. You know, my gut's telling me I think this is the right thing. And I'm trying to get the data, but I don't completely understand yeah. how to do go about that yet. And um, so, yeah, there was a really hard period of time for us where, at least for me, I put way too much pressure on myself and him at the mm -hmm. same time. And mm -hmm. it, it made the relationship difficult. But once I realized that, like, I had, there's certain things that I need to be the leader on and yeah. I need to – and then he would start reciprocating. And um, kind of going back to the psychology. So I did a lot of therapy. 
Yeah. Um, Not alone. A lot of entrepreneurs do that. And, yeah. And and asking and talking to, just reaching out to people like yep. yourself and mm -hmm. other people who could help me. And then the CEO think tank was a huge eye opener for me because I don't think I, I don't think I humanized entrepreneurs. Like we're all scared. And I yeah. got put in a room with a bunch of people who I was like, oh, my God, I was in all of yep. because maybe they were more successful or doing something different or something I didn't understand. And then, you know, Cheryl is a good way of just kind of like bringing that trust barrier down. And Yeah, she's amazing. I'm like, man, these people are just screwing up as much as I am. <laughs> you know, like it's You're all like good. Me. I don't have to be scared. You know, yeah. I can just and my confidence just went through the roof and I stopped getting so upset when he would challenge me or didn't understand what I was bringing to the table and I would just just genuinely be more confident. Yeah. And I think that made him more confident in me just naturally, like yeah. an energy thing. And it started getting better. Yeah. And um, we also had, at the time he had hired a consultant to kind of help with some of the financial stuff and having a neutral third party who we both trusted mm -hmm. was was massively impactful. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you have to go outside yeah. your boundaries to see what you already have. So people yeah. don't always do that, and especially with family owned, because you know here that person started like from nothing, and now you have structure, you have people, you have things. It's a it's a it's a different company than it was when it got started. And, you know, along the lines, if you want to grow, it requires different skills and, and different things, even though you're so passionate. Like, I know that with mine, and I just don't know everything, and I'm the first to admit it, but um, I also feel like a protector, you know? And every decision we make affects 80 people now, not just me. Yeah. And so it's really hard to do that. Um, how, I how give that away. Yeah, right? yeah. That trust, and yeah. it's okay, like, for him, it's like, it's oh, it's okay if it happens to me. I can right. deal with it, but... I think on a certain aspect, him not wanting me to fail either. Sure. Um, what, what parent wants their kid to fail? No, and it's tough, right? Yeah. And so I'd be like, no, like you got to let me. Oh, sure. Me do it, right? But it's it is really hard just being a parent alone and seeing your kid do things that. Oh, how did you do that? Yeah. And you didn't have to do that, but they have to go through that. Yeah. So that's the other thing that really helped our relationship. I had kids, and then I was like, oh, dude, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Like, I just remember being like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And then like saying that randomly and he'd be right. like, no, I, it's all good. So yeah, that helped me really understand how to start changing the approach and having, you know, having that third party helped us, I think, just be more empathetic to one another. Yeah. And so now it just taught me a lot in life in general, in communications. We yeah. have our businesses now. So like, yeah. I sit across the table from people who are very much like him. Yeah. And maybe don't have somebody to transition the business to. Yeah. And so that's really equipped me. All that experience around that relationship yeah. has sort of equipped me for those conversations to build trust with somebody who I'm trying to get them to yeah. basically transition their business to me outside sure. of their family. Yeah. And for that, it's not easy. You're giving up their they're giving up their baby. Literally. Yeah. Sweat and tears and long hours are put into these companies that people don't realize. And, yeah. you know, and it, you have to have a passion behind it. You have to. Because otherwise, you, like, what's your purpose? 
right? Yeah. And I think sometimes people, and I've seen so many M&As over the past two years saying, I'm, I'm done and I'm getting out. So a lot of people like yourself are, you know, eating up these companies saying, I'll take you. Well, let's pull them up, pull them in and see what happens. But what I also find, they don't do enough due diligence sure. um, until after the fact. And they don't look at all the numbers. And I said, how, how did you buy that without knowing the numbers? And, yeah. you know, they're like, I don't know. It just sounded really good. It's and, exciting. Uh, and, you know, and to me, I'm such a researcher and dive data person that yeah. why would you do that kind of a thing? So definitely interesting. What about mistakes? We talk a lot about mistakes on this show. Mm. And, you know, do you have a mistake you could share with us about what happened and what you oh learned from God. it? I could talk about that all day long. Yeah, we only have like half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the one that comes to mind just to kind of like stay in the, the family business vein is some of the mistakes I made early on with people. You know, I, I, it's difficult. Yeah. Like, being the second generation, you're held to a different standard. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't accept that right away. Right. I think I was a little entitled. I felt like I was smart enough and I picked up on the business very quickly and I knew what we needed to do. Right. And that's sort of all I thought about. It was like, come on, folks, like get on board. Sure. You know, some of the older people resented that. I was trying to change things. I was trying to make the business better. Right. And what I didn't realize is that because I didn't have full control, I had to earn their trust before I could get them to change. Sure. And, you know, I just, I I struggled for a while because I was more of like um, a doer. Yeah. You know, I just bulldoze you. And, yeah. you know, because I all I cared about was, say all I cared about, but, you know, a big part of it was the accolades. And, sure. You know, saying, hey, look, look, pop. This is what I did. Yeah. I made an impact. Mm -hmm. But it's funny because like, it's so funny how we try to do good things and then they have such an uh, opposite effect. So yes. Like, I pissed everybody off around me <laughs> and I kind of pissed them off too because right. I'm kind of like, well, he's probably proud that I'm making progress. I'm also like chipping away or maybe like I think sometimes he heard, well, what you're doing is no good, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I had to I had to learn how to kind of plate everything a little bit better for people mm -hmm. so that or really just humanize like just just instead of worrying about all the time what's getting done yeah just stop and be like hey you know how's your day yeah right like just just focus on the people side first and just get to know the the person. Yeah. I kind of just assumed, I don't know, I kind of just skipped that part. I think a lot of people do. You know, yeah. um, when I used to work for um, a great company, they were wonderful like mentors to me. They were with entrepreneurs. And every Monday morning, one of the entrepreneurs would come in my office. And, you know, I was always get to work, put your head down, do what you got to do, you know, work your butt off. He would just sit down. And he's like, hey, how's your weekend? And I yeah. was like, it was great. How was your weekend? And then we would talk for 20 minutes. He's like, hey, great conversation. Thanks so much. Now, yeah. he might do that maybe once every two, three weeks, but he got to know me. Yeah. And the fact that I trusted him because of that, it was huge. And I now I know that 
I have to take the time with my team and it's hard because I have an agenda. If I don't get that agenda done, all those emails done, I'm up again one o'clock right. tonight. That's the only thing I'm thinking about. I'm like, let's get to bed a little earlier tonight. Right. You're trying to take something personal and spontaneous and stick it in a schedule. It's kind of like those two things conflict. That's yes. why I struggle at least. Like, and the listening skills go down. And yeah. so, and people yeah, I've- you're looking at the clock like- Yes. I was, I was actually on a ride here this morning and someone said that this morning. She goes, you know what I recognize, Marsh? I said, what? She said, people are listening, not so much to listen to learn, but listen to talk. Oh, 100%. And I said, you know what? You're right. She goes, I've seen that much more. People don't really spend the time. And I remember growing up and I would have my dad's friends would just stop by. I was in that neighborhood. Yeah. Sebastian Metzgalco has an amazing comedy routine about this. Yeah, I've seen it. And have you seen it? Yeah, it's great, right? Like, come on in, you know? I and love him. We're, so we're Italian family. So oh, it you love that. It resonates with me. And the He's, other side of my family is Greek. So like, it's. It's sort of the same. Oh, it's the best. And, you know, and he was so right. You know, you'd have the Sanka. Well, yeah, we had Sanka. And then you had the, you know, the Entenmann's. Don't touch the Entenmann's. You know, yeah. We were the same way. Yeah. You know, like, leave that for the good people. And yeah. and it was the funniest thing in life. And uh, am I, that people would be there for four hours. And he's like, oh, well, it's so good to catch up with you. Nobody does that. Yeah. Nobody does that. We're so busy with our calendars and our schedules. And, you know, and just to stop by to say hello and, you know, growing up too, my next door neighbor um, lived by herself because her husband had passed away. He was like a huge mentor of mine. And I would come over to see my dad because I hadn't seen him all week. I'm working. I'm like, I'm here to spend time with you. Put your stuff down. Go next door. Say hi, Mrs. McCullough. So I would go over there and she'd be like, hi, come on in. Three hours later, I would leave. And she loved it. She was radiating. She told me about stories of growing up and this and that. And she'd ask about me and my world and I would talk. And it was actually beneficial for both of us, you know, and I didn't realize it um, so much. So, but he was always so proud when I came back and then he's like, okay, I'm going to go. Oh, he's a Mike. He's always friends with Mike because uh, my dad was Russian and all his friends are Greek. So he's like, I'm going on to Mike's. I'm like, I came over to see hi to you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got each other. You good? We're good. We're good. And I said, okay, he, you saw Miss McCullough? You're good. And um, and that's how it was. You know what I mean? So it's interesting. But now at your own team, you have people on the road. You have people, you know, because you do delivery of fuel. And um, how do you how do you find the time to do that now? I think that's one of the things that I'll always be critical of uh, myself because I have a natural – I don't know. I'm, I'm a, I can be outgoing in certain scenarios. Um, and in other scenarios, I can be very introverted. Mm -hmm. And if, if there's with, with some of the blue collar stuff, some of the guys don't always understand boundaries. Yeah. So I may start the conversation and they may bring something that they probably shouldn't bring into right. the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think for that reason, sometimes I'm reluctant, mm -hmm. but I'll sort of pick my battles. Sure, um, you have to. You know, it's it's funny because there's a big part of the company now that, that I don't even know a lot of these guys. I know their names. Wow. I see them on payroll, but yeah. they were 24-hour operations. So some of these guys come in, you know, in the middle of the day. I might be in the office. Then they go drive all night, and then they come back in the wow. middle of the night, right? And so... I've tried to just make it a point when I see somebody in the yard, hey, how are you? Yeah. How, you know, how are you doing? Some of the guys that I've known for a long time 
or like the heating oil drivers, they all come and kind of congregate. In the sure. Morning. So I'll come every once in a while, like I'll go to McDonald's and get 12, you know, egg McMuffins right. and I'll come in and yo guys, here you go. And then we, you know, yeah, shoot the crap for yeah. a little while and you know, you ask them how they're doing and, right. and that's it. And then the office, it's funny because, you know, talking about my struggles in the business, like I always struggled less with the women in the office than I did with the drivers or the technicians. And what I learned is that those were the people who got to know me best yeah. and got to trust me more quickly because they seen that yeah. I was genuine and yeah. I was trying to make an impact. And until I started really making an effort to try to get to know um, some of the other, some of the other guys, like on a more personal level, sure, they didn't. Mm -hmm. And on a blue collar level, it's even more difficult. Totally. I think, for all those psychological kind of reasons, yeah, you know, that I won't get into, but um, yeah. So it's, and it's and it's scary, too, to think that like. So I'm 35. I am the youngest person in our organization. Wow. Or close. There might be a few younger than me. Yeah. We have a really hard time hiring younger people. Mm. Um, and I and I think a lot about, well, my kids, but, you know, I think a lot about even just vendor relationships mm -hmm. and how things have changed in the last three years and whether I like them or I don't like mm -hmm. them. And, where things are going as far as hiring people sure. and how our business is going to adapt to that. And we have this very boots on the ground, blue collar business that yep. struggles with all this technology and, you know, getting somebody who's 60 years old, who does a really good job and understands your industry and is a great advocate for the company to understand that, well, maybe we need to start text messaging or emailing or, it's it's really difficult. Oh yeah, and they're resistant to night, it. Night and day. But the young people don't. I don't. You going back to your example about going to the neighbor's house and having a conversation like that was. We never wanted that, but as I've gotten older, you realize how important it is because it teaches you communication. Absolutely. And listen. Yeah. And how to appreciate anybody really, yeah. especially your elders. And I I'm not sure. I see that anymore. I, I'm not sure I see much respect at all, but um, I, I'm struggling with, you know, we have one particular vendor uh, that I can think of, like everything is Zoom. So I have to communicate with them via Zoom. And it's like, I just find myself being like, I wish I could just get in the room with these people. And one, the the one woman I talked to, she's like not even in the country. Mm -hmm. She's really great. And mm -hmm. the, 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 the conversations are great and they do a good job. It's just like we're missing this kind of like tangible relationship energy thing yeah. that like doesn't go through the screen. And what I've noticed about their business is that they do everything Zoom. So it's very convenient for them. So they can go appointment to appointment to appointment to appointment. But I get I get on the call and it feels so rushed. Mm. And I'm like, I got a half an hour to try to be heard. Yeah. And that's, I don't like that. I don't no. like that as a business owner. I don't right. like that as a person. And anybody I talk to my age or younger, like, that's their preference. They're like, well, I don't want to. 
So how do you just get on the Zoom? Your business is going to, you know, continue because a lot of these people are going to retire. I mean, that, that is the biggest problem right now with a lot of my companies is the fact that they have a huge demographic that's going to retire soon, next five years. Yeah. And they're looking at like, oh my gosh, we have these young ones, but that work ethic is just not there. Not everybody. There's a good 2% of that that does good work ethic, but there is not. I mean, have you guys put a plan together for succession to say that 10 times fast? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, most companies haven't. They're just saying, well, I'll just I'll just make it happen when it happens, which I think mm -hmm. is really a bad move. Yeah, well, I, I agree. It's one of those things that, like, in your business, you know you need to work on, mm -hmm. but everything else gets in the way. Like I taxes. Will say, Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't think we're doing an amazing job, but I don't think we're doing a horrible job. Okay. Um, from a secession plan, you know, between my dad and I, I think we have the important things in place. Yeah. Um, but it's difficult. It's yeah. difficult to even have those discussions and sure. to get the first generation to be I don't know, like make a clear decision or sure. something. So there's that. And then there's, you know, the employee stuff. And, um, you know, I think what's going to end up happening is the, in our business, mm -hmm. it's, it's going to change by necessity. Meaning like there's a lot of consolidation in our business because mm -hmm. all of our competitors in a very similar scenario yeah right so we deliver fuel we deliver heating oil home heating oil we know that's going away we provide hvac services. why is that going away well our government wants it to go away and our state really wants it to go away but um it's just not the fuel source of choice oh. anymore right so in the 70s natural gas became sort of the adopted new fuel source got it and now it's electric mm -hmm. i'm not exactly sure how they're going to pull that one off but they're not. They haven't asked anybody who knows anything about it. Exactly. But, you know, we'll see. Um, and so we know that that part of our business is declining. Are you all petroleum? What, are, what, what kind of fuel? Would be yeah, so it's so home heating oil, uh, diesel fuel, which we call dissolates. Like, really, it's all the same product. Right. Just for tax purposes, they dye it. It used to be very different, but now the refining process has kind of been simplified. Okay. Um, it it's about sulfur content and stuff like that. But Got the it. important thing is it's it all gets picked up the same place and it's generally the same thing. Cut it. Different color. Um, we generally deliver distillates, home heating oil, dye diesel fuel to off-road equipment or on-road diesel to trucks, you know, Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we do a little bit of gasoline. It's really more of a, hey, this customer needs gasoline because we do all these other things for them, so we do it for them. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily a business we really want to be in or grow. Then Why not? Um, more risk, more rules and regulations. Hmm. The margin isn't amazing. Yeah. It's when you start getting away from delivering diesel fuel and you start getting into delivering gasoline, like we don't deliver long haul gas or like tractor trailer gasoline. Right. So there's like a really small market for gasoline in a straight truck oh, wow. that needs to be delivered so yeah. it's, we kind of just do it to support what we're doing mm -hmm. when you start getting into delivering gasoline like the gas station yeah um 
whole different set of rules, criteria, margins, mm. uh, risks. Of course there are, probably, yeah. It's not a business I'm necessarily interested yeah. in. And, and I have relationships in the industry, and it's it's difficult. Yeah. Um, all these businesses are very difficult. Sure. Can't find drivers, can't find technicians. Yeah. Can't and find the government people. wants to get rid of you. So, I mean, and that's the like, to get rid yeah. of you. you know, we're, it's like we're standing in the middle of the field, and there's just guns pointing yeah. at us from all angles. But the interesting thing about that is that it's given us a real opportunity sure. because people bail out of businesses like that. Yeah. And so you get the opportunity to consolidate, mm -hmm. margins get better. Right. Um, and if you're doing a good job, you can really excel. Oh, yeah. And so that's really, you know, what our, what we, what we tried to right. focus on, mm -hmm. um, knowing that our business is under attack and there is probably a shelf life. No. Um, but it's given us all these opportunities to, acquire and grow and yeah we've been able to grow every year for the last five years in a business that's declining by 10 percent, maybe even more great uh, and cool. what do you attribute that to that growth um because it's, it's something the growth specifically mm -hmm. comes from two places one i think it's in our business sophisticated marketing that most companies who were you know my dad says this all the time like you know if you weren't involved there'd be a fire sale right mm -hmm. you're not you know when you're when you're at that stage in the game mm -hmm. you've worked so hard for so long and then you got to learn all these new things and this and you got to have people come in and tell you oh you need to do seo or search engine marketing or this is where you need to be advertising and and you got to try to figure out like to try to understand something that that's not something that you grew up really understanding. Yeah, I think it makes it difficult for them. So what happens is is they lean on what worked for them, mm -hmm. and that stuff doesn't really work anymore. So people are looking for oil online, right? Mm -hmm. We have a pretty strong presence online. I think we do that well. So you we do. Bring, we bring a decent amount of customers in that way, just because you know Joe's Oil down the street. Yeah. They got two trucks and they're not doing that. Um, so, you know, maybe they have a really strong relationship with Jan down the corner. And right. That's been my provider forever, but maybe her daughter lives there now and her daughter orders, orders the oil next time. What's she going to do? Yeah. She's going to Google it and we're going to show up. And if we can do a good job yeah. bringing that customer in, we'll pick them up. And our big thing is service you know, and, and response. And so there's that piece of it. Right. And then, and then there's the acquisition piece of it. And, um, I think what makes us successful there is our model. Mm -hmm. It, the traditional model, you know, multiples of EBITDA don't really work in our business yeah. because it's so volatile. Sure. Right? You could have a banner year because it's super cold you could have a not so good year because it's super cold. Sure. You could lose customers because they're buying from somewhere else. Or right. you could lose customers because of natural gas. Like it's very hard to measure how well you're doing. We put some things in place where we measure against the weather and stuff to try to normalize yeah. it, but it's difficult. So for me to come in and say, okay, you made X the last three, five years, I'm yeah. gonna pay you this for your business. Well, it's too volatile. We can't do that. So, Agreed. Um what's next though? Like what is next, you know, um, 
for you guys because obviously with your dad potentially someday retiring and yeah. then you taking over, you know, I mean, do you see that? Do you see that for your kids? And I mean, it's it's not an easy decision. There's a lot of attributes out there, but it's figuring all those things out, right? Yeah. Um, I think our commercial division is a side of the business that has a lot more longevity yeah. and similar opportunities yeah. that as the heating oil because not a lot of players in the game, yep. difficult barrier to sure. entry. So I think that side of the business, the fueling, yep. um, is is definitely the future. Uh, the HVAC stuff, so you know, we talk about this kind of life cycle of the heating oil customer and then them potentially converting to natural gas or yeah. electric. We have the capability to do that, and right. that creates a certain amount of profit. We haven't really leaned into that. Mm -hmm. um, we've been focusing more on dumping customers in the top of the funnel. So I think in the next five years, we need to figure out, okay, how do we take advantage of all these customers that we now yeah. have and start making sure that we're very upfront about, yeah. hey, we can convert you if you want a different fuel source and we can provide that for you mm -hmm. and start building out Sure. Building that out. That's always cool. So you have two kids. They're very involved in ice hockey. We talk about this all the time. Yeah. You have, you know, a very active place and work and all what you're trying to do. How do you take time for you? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I, if I do a great job at that. Um, I play hockey still. Oh, good. So... Good. So I started, like, I used to work too many hours, and now I, I really, I've, I've, I've gotten a more flexible schedule. Good. So I'll play ice hockey in the morning, nice. maybe once or twice a week if I can, which is nice. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I've gotten away from this, but I, I adopted, like a, like, a morning routine where we have, like, a little makeshift gym that I made. So there was a lawnmower shop next to our our facility right. that we purchased and we used some of the other space, park trucks and stuff. And so I went in there and like gutted it and painted it and turned it into a gym. Great. When I was younger. So I use that. So that's like my sanctuary, going in there, just exercising, being alone, yeah. maybe listening to a podcast or right. just it's my me time. So what, that's well, talk about podcasting. Do you do books or mostly podcasts? Uh, I, I've done a mixture over the years. Mm -hmm. So I started reading books oh. and then I had kids. Okay. And that <laughs> wasn't happening anymore. So then it was audio books. Nice. So that sort of transition. There's an app I found called Optimize. I don't know if you ever heard of it. No. So he based, this guy basically like reads these books yeah. and then creates videos and audios that it's basically cliff notes right so wow it like gives you the cliff notes of the book nice I'm like well this is cool because yeah when i do self-help stuff like see me four hours cram more information right. in my brain more quick we're all about it yeah I yeah three books this morning that's awesome um so i did that for a little while his the it was a little limited the range of kind of what he right. was doing and and then I started doing podcasts that kind of after that. Yep. Because you get bored. Oh, yeah. So now it's a combination of all three. Yep. Sometimes I'll do them. That's what I do. I'll just do one. Right. Sometimes I'll do all three at the same time. What are you reading right now? Uh, 
the so oh my god i'm trying to remember the name of it she's a psychologist she's a psychiatrist psychologist this should happen to you mike it only happens in my age not your age i don't have a very good memory i have to write everything down it's pretty bad <laughs> um i'd have to look i forget so the premise is um th this woman so have you ever read victor frankel's man's oh yeah that book really changed my life that was I would highly recommend that book to anybody. It's wonderful, best one of the top ten books you should read. Unreal, mm -hmm. right? So, um, another woman who experienced the Holocaust, sort of talked to, talking about her account, but then also talking about her just ideas, ideology, yeah. around psychology. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't remember the name of the book. Oh, it's all good. I love hearing all this stuff. Um, I know um took a lot of your time. We try to make it easy for the listeners to be. It's usually from one place to another to listen to our, our video, our audios, and to help them out with their entrepreneur. But there was a one word to give to an entrepreneur out there, somebody just starting out. What would that word be? <laughs> I'm thinking about me, the younger version of me. Um, it's not one word, but it's close. Okay, I'll take it. Enjoy the journey. Mm. Good ones. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Was there one thing you would changed going back 15 years in your life and said, you know what, 15 years ago, I, if I could have, I should have done this. Yeah, I would have tried to play professional hockey. No, oh, well, really? Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. yeah, well, that's my husband who wanted to play professional baseball, so I totally get it. So sometimes I think he still thinks he's trying out, so it's all good. Yeah, we all are. <laughs> uh, I don't think I would have made it, but I didn't put the effort in. I regret that. Yep. Never know till you, you try it, right? So yeah. we'll see. Well, Mike Longo Jr. from Seven Oil, how do people get in contact with you? Yeah. So you're going to hate this, but I'm horrible with social media. I'm not <laughs> crazy about it. Mm -hmm. It's a big distraction for, or can be a big distraction for me. So um, I don't have Facebook. I do have LinkedIn and I will be somewhat responsive. <laughs> um, but that, that in that way, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Or just, just email me or send me a message. But it's Mike Longo Jr. So you know, I make sure people see a LinkedIn. We I saw your LinkedIn profile. So that's there's true. a lot of Mike Longos out there, by the way. So it really is yeah. I don't know any of them. Yeah. So see, it's great. interesting. But I do have an amazing marketing company I'm going to introduce you to that's going to take that pain away from you so that they can focus on it for you instead and actually will help you bring in probably some sales as well. So we'll talk about that later. That would be awesome. No problem. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, thanks for being my guest on Top 3, where entrepreneurs share their secrets and their mistakes. And until next time, we will see you guys later. And um, stay, have fun out there, entrepreneurs. You got this. Keep the faith. Take care.